1: God, boy, I love that song because that's really what it's all about. It's about being transformed from the inside out, and it's got to start with our heart. So many folks miss the mark there. They think it has to start with their head or turning over a new leaf. Uh, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do uh, to make preparation for heaven other than giving him your heart, repenting of your sins, turning from the old man, starting afresh and anew, and that happens from the inside out. I love, love, love that song. Good to see you this morning. Is everybody okay? Uh, good to see you. I see a few smiles out through there and some not. And I hope and pray everything's okay with you. Uh, I tell you, when you get up here and look back at faces, sometimes that's a little challenging because you don't know if they're mad at you or if they're, they're happy or what. And uh, I want you to know I love you. If I've done anything to hurt you, I'm sorry. And uh, hope, hopefully and prayerfully we can kind of move forward. And uh, So anyhow, are you glad to be here? Say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm glad to be in church today. Go ahead. All right. Let's kind of get this thing moving in the right direction. All right. What what a great study. Did everyone enjoy your first week in small group this past week in our life groups? Man, what a fantastic study. I know Brother John leads our group and and, uh, man, I just, I appreciate his tenderness and his heart through this. I mean, he he cried like a baby through the whole thing. I mean, and he said, I want us all to cry together. And, and man, there were, we were kind of broken through that study. And it was a fantastic study. And, and, and I believe, and I, I think Mike Collins said it best. He said that he believes, and I agree with him, that this is one of those studies that will transform our church, that will be one of those mainstays with us for a very long time because, uh, really because we are learning so much about grace. Uh, a lot of times we think we knew all there was to know about it. I think we are rediscovering possibly uh, what grace really is, and and uh, man, life is, and the Christian life is is so much more abundant when you live it in recognition of God's grace and what He does for us and to us. So uh, anyhow, what a great study. Uh, This is week two of our study. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, please, whether it be your iPad, your iPhone, whether it be the Bible that you carry in here. I want you to turn to John chapter number eight. Um, This week, we're gonna be looking, last week, we looked at the grace-shaped life. This week, we're gonna be looking how Jesus stooped low. And we see this story in John chapter number eight. Uh, So I want you to turn your Bibles there. We're going to pick up reading in verse 2 and read from verse 2 down through about verse 11 or so. Now, I preached on this text uh, a few weeks back whenever we were talking about the portraits of Jesus. And uh, here I tried to paint a picture of, of Jesus. And, but here also we're going to see a picture of grace uh, that we find here. Is everybody okay temperature-wise? I see some curled up and some hot. Is it a little chilly? A little chilly? Okay. I don't know what this is on up here. I'll crank this one up and I think Daryl's on his, I thought I saw, oh, I'm sorry Daryl, I thought you, I, I thought I saw you leaving to go back there. Um, Daryl will check the uh, the back back there and kind of see what that's on but I want you to be comfortable. I want us to get plugged in here. I see my wife is all freezing and, and I understand that and so anyhow we'll try to get it comfortable in here for you. What a great study. And let me just say this too. If... If you're not plugged into one of our life groups, I really want you to get plugged in. Uh, really, all I'm doing is, is really just introducing the topic that you're really going to unpack in the study. Uh, and I don't, I'm not going to be able to have time to be able to talk about the depths of all of this here in this. This is just kind of to wet your palate and get you prepared to get into your small groups. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to get into one of our life groups. If, if you are not connected... I don't want you to raise your hand or anything, but if you are not connected, I really want you to get connected because getting in these life groups and getting in there with other believers and other individuals and just talking about this. And I hope our life groups aren't where you have a group leader that's preaching to you because we're really missing the whole point of the life group. So I want all of our life group leaders, it's not your job to preach or, or just tell everybody what they're supposed to do. It's your do- job to kind of open the dialogue of this and really unpack this and everybody get in there for themselves and, and create some good discussion in your group. So I hope that's taking place in your group. I know in our group last week it seemed like everybody was plugging in there and, and, and contributing and it was just it was just so rich whenever we left. And like, Man it was good. Matter of fact we, you know, our life groups, we usually kind of have our study and eat and then kind of leave. And uh, this one, it just lingered. I mean, it, we were there quite a while and it was just a, a great study. So I want to encourage you, if you're not in one of our life groups, to get plugged in. And we can help you get plugged in. If you, if you need assistance in getting plugged into one of our life groups, uh, then write on your connection card, hey, help me get plugged in. We will follow up with you this week and try to get you in a, a group that's close to where you live. And I'll uh, get you plugged in or maybe meets the evening that you're available and we'll let you know where those are. And so we want to get you plugged into a group. So if you're not, I want to help you do that. So let us know, okay? It's, the, it's that important. Um, I'm, this is all good, but boy, it's really good whenever you sit down with a, a smaller group of people and just unpack the scripture. So we're going to be looking in John chapter 8 and we're going to be talking... In the, in the scripture, in, in this passage of scripture, there's a couple different times where it says that Jesus stooped, and, and the whole the idea of today's lesson and message is to remember that Jesus stoops low for us. And he stoops lower than us. And we realize that that he is our defender. He is our redeemer. He's the one that after he stooped down, you're going to see in the scripture, that he stood up to face the accusers of this woman. Okay? Are you there in John chapter 8? All right, let's read, if you will, together. Uh, John chapter 8 in verse number 2. It said, at dawn he went to the temple complex again. And all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach. Now let's stop right there. Do you understand what's taking place here? It's early in the morning and Jesus is having a He's teaching the people, okay? There's a large crowd that's gathered together and Jesus now is teaching the Word of God, teaching these these people that had assembled together there, okay? So you got to get that picture in your mind of what's taking place here. There's a large assembly of people that had gathered together. Jesus had sat down and he was starting to teach them. Pick up in verse 3. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Now think, if you will, about these these Pharisees and these scribes, these these religious self-righteous people that grabbed this lady and threw her right into the middle of the crowd and made her stand there in front of everyone. I want you to get that picture in your mind. Verse 4, Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. And in the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And they asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. And Jesus stooped down. Man, you need to underline that in your Bible. And, and uh, man, I love the, uh, the Logos Bible study because you, I can do on this thing what I do in my regular uh, Bible. I can highlight, I can underline, I can put notes and you know it's kind of marked all up. So I, wanna, I always want to put in a plug right there. It will help your Bible study methods and your Bible study time if you will get into a good, for those that are in the electronic world, if you'll get into the Logos Bible software. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning him, what does he do next? He stood up and he said to them, The one without sin among you should be first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down again and continued riding on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. And only he was left with the woman in the center. And when Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go, and from now on... Do not sin anymore. What a, uh, you know, a few weeks ago I really got in depth on this passage. I'm not going to get too deep in this passage today. But here we find where this, this lady was accused. You know what I really like? Had Jesus stooped down, he started writing in the sand, writing in the dirt, and, and we don't know exactly what he wrote. Scripture doesn't teach us what he wrote or tell us what he, he wrote, but he, he, he stooped down, he started writing. Everyone there could see. They, they looked, as Max Licato says, and you'll see this in your DVD study this week, that, that, that they looked down at this woman, but they haven't... E- had to look even lower to where Jesus was riding in the dirt and there's a good word picture of how he stoops lower than our sin to bear our sin of course on the cross that's kind of a good subject lesson there but here he wrote something in the dirt he wrote something in the ground and when he did the accusers one by one started leaving from the oldest to the youngest and they left and there was nobody else left to condemn this woman you know what I like about that? What I like about that is that one by one, I want you to visualize, if you will, these big rocks that they were all holding. One by one, you know what they did? They started dropping their rocks. You know, I, I think that's a good picture for all of us as believers and Christians today. A lot of times we look around in our world as, as Christian believers and we're trying to live for Christ and we're trying to live for the Lord and, and we're trying to live our life in a way that would please Him. And, and a lot of times we look around with a, with a judgmental spirit to those that are around us. You know what I believe Jesus would tell us today? I think He would say, drop your rocks. Everybody say that together. Drop your rocks. You know, it's signifying that, that we need to quit being so judgmental, Right? Hello? We need to quit throwing our rocks at everybody because they're not living like we live or doing what we do. or, or try. We need to be, quit being so judgmental, I guess is my point. I just want to make that. That's a sidebar. It's not the message. It doesn't cost you a thing. I just want to throw it in there for you. We all need to do what? Drop our rocks. Say it together. Drop our rocks. Say drop your rocks. Turn to your neighbor and tell them to drop your rocks. Now, whenever, listen, whenever, whenever you walk, start walking through love and you have this little judgmental spirit that rises up, whether it's to another brother or sister in Christ or it's to a non-believer, the first thing I want you to do is drop your rocks. Why? Because none of us are worthy to throw one rock. He without sin casts the first stone, Right? None of us are worthy. And the only way that any of us could ever make heaven our home or be a born-again believer is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in Him as our personal Lord and Savior. So let me try to share a few things with you this morning and and, uh, then I really want you to get into your small groups and and really start unpacking this and discussing this and talking through some of this. Uh, We're going to see where Jesus stooped low here. I have three objectives I want to try to reach today. And objective number one is this. I want you to see that God loves you so much, he loves us so much, that he will stoop to our level, even below our level. Now think about that. And of course, where did he do that? He did that on the cross, right? I mean, here's a holy God, the Lord Jesus, the sinless, perfect Son of God that did not have to die on the cross, but he chose to. And the reason he chose to is because he loves us. And he loves us so much that he will stoop lower than our sin, as he did with this woman that was caught in the very act, which, by the way, these scribes and these Pharisees, and you know, I already preached on this a couple weeks ago, how how they were breaking their own law. I mean, both the man and the woman, both, were to be brought and, and then stoned, not just the woman by herself. And some people speculate kind of what did he write in the sand. I always, I, you know, I, I kind of think this way sometimes. I think Jesus had a good way of just writing things that just kind of pierced them. And, and I don't know exactly what he wrote in the sand. But, but there's a part of me that wants to believe that, that he looked up and he saw, oh, there's Joe, the Pharisee. And he wrote down, Joe's mistress. Maybe he wrote down the girlfriend of some of these guys that were messing around where they shouldn't be messing around. My point is he exposed their sin and then finally one by one they started walking away. Guys, none of us are worthy to throw a rock. Hello? We've all been saved by God's amazing grace. We're all sinners saved by grace. Don't ever forget that. And I think I shared with you the other week, my dad has always been preaching to me ever since I was a boy and coming up through school and everything else, don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget, I don't care what you do, don't ever forget where you came from. And boy, that, that, I've kind of transferred that into my spiritual life. I don't ever want to forget where I came from, right? Because I know what I deserve. And we all deserve hell. But Jesus loves us so much, and that's what I want us to see in this lesson today. He loves us so much that he's willing to stoop. He stooped lower than this woman's sin when she was caught in the very act of adultery for her. The second objective I want you to see is not only does God love us so much that he'll stoop lower but secondly I want you to see that Satan's goal is to accuse and destroy. Whenever you think about these scribes and these Pharisees you know what they were? They were really pawns of Satan that day because all they were doing was accusing her to try to destroy her and then at the same time to catch Jesus in a trap and try to destroy him. I want us to understand that Satan's goal... Listen, you know what Satan's goal is for you? He wants to accuse you, and he wants to destroy you. He wants to st- rob and steal and kill, as, as John 8, 44 says. He wants to rob everything from you. He's a thief, right? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to rob you of your peace. He wants to kill your dreams. I mean, Satan wants to destroy you. And I'm amazed, amazed at how sometimes... People will play along with Satan's antics. They'll get involved in his lifestyle and then not understanding that Satan's goal, his ultimate goal is to accuse you and to destroy you, okay? So I want you to see that. The third thing I want you to see is how God stands up for us. The Lord Jesus, God himself, stands for us to defend us. And aren't you glad of that? In the text we saw in John 8 where Jesus stooped down but then he stood up. Man, I like that. I like where he stood up. And I'm going to read a little bit out of Max Licato's book here in just a moment about that. But the question I want to ask today is this. And this is the one that we really need to think about. Do you trust your advocate? Do you trust your advocate or your accuser? You see, you always have someone accusing you. And that someone is Satan. His job all the time is to accuse you falsely or, or rightly. Maybe you were called in sin. But Jesus' job is to be our advocate. So that's what we want to look at. So on the back of your bulletin, I want you to jot down three different things we're going to talk about real quickly here this morning. The first thing I want you to see is, number one, I want you to see the God who stoops. I want you to see this Jesus, this God who stoops for you. And that's the text we read. He stooped down on the... When this woman that was caught in the very act of adultery... Now I want you to think about her. She was caught in the very act. These scribes and these Pharisees, they had to be staging this whole thing. They kind of knew what type of a woman she was and the practice that she was involved in. So no no doubt they're, they're peeping through the windows. They're watching at the door. They've staged themselves around this house. They caught this lady in the very act. And then went in and ripped her out of the bed. She's probably grabbing what little piece of clothing she has left on. And possibly nothing on. And, and she's grabbing something to try to cover herself. In the shame that she's been dragged out into the streets in. And she's trying to cover. Here she is now standing before her accusers. And what we find is that our Lord doesn't condemn her. Right? Matter of fact, he stoops down for her And he starts riding on the ground. And that's what we find in John 8, 2 through 9. And then he stands up to defend her. I want to read Romans 8 in verse 33 to you. The scripture says, Who can accuse the people God has chosen? No one. Because God is the one who makes them right. Who can say God's people are guilty? No one, because Christ Jesus died, but he was also raised from the dead. Now he's on the right, or on God's right side, appealing to God for us. The point is, guys, listen, when we are in Christ Jesus, there's no one that can accuse us. Hello? Let that sink in. The scripture says in Romans 8, 33, who can accuse God's people? No one. Why? Because we have an advocate. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember after the resurrection... When Mary came to him and he said, do not touch me, I haven't ascended to the Father yet. There he was, I believe, taking his his sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, the the sacrifice that only would appease God Almighty in all of his holiness. He had to go and present himself on the mercy seat. And there he now, after he came back for 40 days and stayed with those around after his resurrection state then went back, he is seated right now today on the right hand of God as our Advocate, he's there interceding on our behalf as 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 men and women, children of faith, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have Jesus, our advocate. So don't let anyone accuse you. Don't let Satan accuse you. Amen. We've got the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is our defender. And here we see Him rising up in defense of this woman. Matter of fact, let me read a portion of. Um, Max Licato's book to you. And you'll see this in the DVD. And, and by the way, for those that, that, uh, that you bought the participant guide, which is what I felt like you needed for this study, and I didn't really push buying the book because the book is nothing more than the DVD you're watching. Uh, the DVD you're watching is each chapter in the book. So there's no need to, to buy the book. I mean, I bought the book. I have it on my Kindle, but it's the DVD. I mean, he just really speaks and teaches and they wrote it and they put it in a book okay so so you don't have you don't have people maybe think well i'm missing so much because i don't have the book well you got the dvd okay so you can buy the book if you want but this is out of his book i'll try to save you a few dollars right there okay listen to what he wrote and he'll actually say this in the dvd that you're going to be watching this week he was talking about jesus and talking about him stooping low he said and he wrote and i read he's prone to stoop he stooped to wash feet to embrace children. He stooped to pull Peter out of the sea. To pray in the garden. He stooped before the Roman whipping post. He stooped to carry the cross. Grace is a God who stoops. And here he stooped to write in the dust. A few pages over, he continues and he writes this. He says, speaking of Jesus, He stooped low enough to sleep in a manger, work in a carpentry shop, sleep in a fishing boat, low enough to rub shoulders with crooks and leopards, low enough to be spat upon, to be slapped, to be nailed, to be speared, low, low enough to be buried, and get this, and then he stood. He stood up, up from the slab of death, upright in Joseph's tomb, right in Satan's face, tall and high. He stood up, and he stood up for this woman, and he silenced her accusers, and he does the same for you. And for me. Man, I love that. Don't you? Not only is he a God who stoops for us, but he's also a God who stands up to to defend us. Aren't you glad of that? Second thing I want you to write down is not only is he a God who stoops, but secondly, I want you to see Satan, the accuser. Now, look, if you will, in the text. Here we have the scribes and the Pharisees, and they are accusing this woman. And they all have stones in their hand. And they're wanting to stone her to death right now. And that's when Jesus stoops and then he stands up and then eventually they start leaving. But I want you to know that we have accusers also. And the chief accuser in your life and in my life is Satan. I want you to understand that. His job is to steal and kill and destroy and accuse you. And I want you to know he does that every single day. Now understand something though. Satan is not omniscient or omniscient. In other words, he, he's not all-knowing, nor is he omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time, okay? Those are God's attributes. They're not Satan's attributes. So, so he comes and goes. He's, he's going to and fro in the earth. And then, of course, he has all of his demons that are following after him. He's got them on a mission as well. But they're not omnipresent. They're not with you all the time because that's not one of his attributes, right? I mean, that's only God's attributes, Correct. So understand that, but he does come and he shoots those fiery darts at you, whether it's in temptation or he shoots those accusations at you. And he's trying to steal your joy, and he's trying to rob you of your peace, and he's trying to destroy your happiness. He's trying to destroy your life. I want you to understand that is the goal of Satan, and that's what he does. But it's Jesus who stoops down and then stands up on our defense and represents us. And he stooped to his lowest, I believe, on the cross where he died for all of our sins. And the greatest day he stood up was on Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Three days afterwards, when he was buried in the tomb, he stood up again. I mean, he is our advocate and he's our defender. I want you to see that Satan is the accuser. A matter of fact, John unpacks that for us in Revelation chapter 12 in verse number 10. It says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Now, that's talking about Satan. His job is to accuse us. The third thing I want you to see is that Satan's condemnation versus the Holy Spirit's conviction. Now, I want you to see two things taking place here. Satan condemns us The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us. In John 14, 15, and 16, you'll read about the the works of the Holy Spirit and what his job is. But Satan's job is to accuse us. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us. Okay, Now, Satan wants to destroy us. His condemnation is nothing to, to, to condemn us, to falsely accuse or accuse us so that he can't destroy us. The Holy Spirit, though, brings conviction so that he can redeem us, so that he can give us a beautiful life, so he can give us an abundant life, so he can give us an amazing life, so he can give us eternal life. There is a difference between being accused and being convicted, and I want you to see that, all right? Now, back in the text, and I'm going to close with this, and I'm kind of short today, but back in the text, I want you to get this picture, if you will. Here you have the accusers. The scribes and the Pharisees. They are accusing... Now, was this lady sinning? Yes. Okay. What she was doing was wrong. Can Can I call time out right here and chase a rabbit? For those that are not married, any sexual activity outside of marriage is Sinful. (laughs) <laughs> that was weak. Uh, somebody, I don't know. Should we amen? Should we not amen? Where are where, where we standing there, honey? And, you know, dad, where are we oh, Yeah, we all stand there, right? We should. Okay, here, I'm going to try to give you another chance here, okay? All right, I've set the stage. You know where to say amen. You know what I'm going to say, okay? We kind of know where we stand. We figured this out now, okay? Right? Okay, here we go. Any sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful. Amen. There you go. That's better. I like that. You see, we live in a culture where everything is promoted around sex. Matter of fact, the Satan has come and he's deluded that. And he says, okay, well, let's say that's correct. But he'll take sexual activity. I got to be careful right here. And he'll move it all the way to intercourse. And we think, well, we're okay as long as we don't do that. No, you're not. I mean, somebody's got to preach this stuff, right? I mean, we've got to hear it somewhere. I promise you, you're not going to hear the right thing in the world or the TV commercials or the favorite singers. I mean, good grief, right? So I'm not try- I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to offend anyone or be offensive, but I'm trying to be truthful. You can't, don't even play, you, playing around is sinful. And I'm talking about sexually playing around. And I'm not going to get more explicit than that, but you avoid it. Sin, sex outside of marriage is sin. Sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful, right? Any time, any type of playing around sexually is sinful. We understand that. Okay, I'm trying to get as plain as I can get right here without being too plain. (laughs) This lady was sinning. And let me say this also if you are married and you're messing around, that's sinful. I'd like to stone you. I won't because I just told you to drop your rocks, right? If you are married, you made a vow and a commitment to God and to a crowd of witnesses and to your spouse that I will remain faithful to you until death do us part. Right? That's the vow you made. Now, therefore, guys, and even ladies. Listen, ladies nowadays, it used to be you always had to preach at the men because the ladies just knew how to act. But nowadays, the ladies are as bad as the men. Hello, I guess I'm telling my age a little bit now, but kind of back in the day, it's like you had to harp on the guys all the time. The ladies doing what they're supposed to be doing. Listen, guys, any type of flirting is sinful. You are not available. There's a ring on your finger. You are not available. Hello. You say, well, it's just no. It's just no. It's not a little game. It's sinful. And I promise you, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. Right? So if you're married, any type of sexual activity outside of your marriage is sinful. Matter of fact, Jesus himself takes it a step further. Now, The reason I'm harping on this is because this is what the lady got called in. Okay? So, I'm justified in preaching on this a little bit. It's what she was doing. Okay, everybody smile. Let me know you're not angry with me. <laughs> Thank you. This lady was called in the very act. Jesus takes this, this sinful spirit or attitude a step further than just the physical activity. You remember what he said? He said, if you so much as look at a woman or a man for you ladies and lust after them, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So now it's not even just the physical activity that's sinful. Now it's the intent of the heart and the thought of the mind that can thrust me into sin. Right? So we must cleanse ourselves, And the way we do that is through the word, through prayer, calling out and asking God to help us in these areas so that we do not fall into this sinful activity. Now, I can, I, there's a whole lot more I can say about that, but i got to move on. I want you to see that she was sinning. The accuser's were almost justified in what they were doing except they even broke their own law. They were supposed to bring the man also and they just brought the woman in a way to trap Jesus to see what he was going to do with this. But I want you to see that they were accusing her. But let me share something with you. Not only does Satan accuse, but I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us. Now, I believe there was conviction that was brought on this woman. And I believe what Jesus did when he knelt down, he stooped down, he rode in the sand, he stood up to face her accusers defending this woman that had been caught in a legitimate sinful activity. We all agree with that, right? What he did, he defended her. And I believe when she saw that, I believe then she was convicted of her sin because the scripture says... After Jesus said, he without sin cast the first stone and they started leaving from the oldest down to the youngest, they dropped their rocks and walked away, which we all need to drop our rocks and quit being so judgmental, right? Right? It's not my job to bring conviction on people, right? Early on, I thought that was my responsibility. Early on in my ministry, my preaching, I thought I had to preach and convict and so, mean, I kind of brought it hot and heavy and afterwards it was hot and heavy and I went, hey, whoa, whoa, that's not my job to convict. That's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's my job just to preach the truth, Right? So here Jesus is riding in the sand. He stoops down. Then he stands up. The accusers had left. But there she stands. And she's looking at God. Jesus. And he says, where are your accusers? And she says, none, Lord. And he said, go and get this. What did he say? Sin no more. Now there were two groups of people before Jesus that day. There were the righteous people. And there was a sinful lady. So here we see the righteous and the sinners. The righteous have got involved in this accusing, being judgmental. And this lady was just a sinner. But the Bible says that Jesus told her to go and sin no more. You know what he extended to her? Grace. Right? And whenever I think about the righteous, sometimes... Sometimes I feel sorry for righteous people. I really do. Because they're, they're working so hard to try to please God. Are you with me? I mean, let, let's kind of go to the defense of these Pharisees and their scribes. And yes, they, this whole new gospel that Jesus was preaching and what he was saying and, and what he was doing, it, it was all odd to them. But, but, but in their... In their mindset, they thought they were right. I mean, if you remember, one of the greatest preachers of all time, one of the greatest church planners of all time, the Apostle Paul, was one of these. And when he was on the road to Damascus, his whole intent was to stop this movement of Christianity and this whole movement of Jesus. And in his heart, he thought he was doing the right thing. My point in all of that is this. A lot of times, righteous, self-righteous Christians... In their heart, think that they've got to be good, and then better, and then be at their best, and, and their whole life is about do and be, do and be, do this and be that, do this and be that, and do this and be that, and it's do and be and do and be and do and be and do and be and do be do be do be do be do be do be right. It's a vicious cycle. And my heart goes out to these pharisaical mindset of self-righteous people called Christians that sit in our churches all across America that think that their whole life and their whole Christian experience is, is about do and be. We've missed the point. It's not about what you do and what you become. It's about what He did and what He gives he died on the cross for you. He extends grace to you. Are we getting this, church? It's easy for us as Christians and believers to look at this sinful woman and say, yeah, that's sin. Heaven forbid. She must confess. She must repent. She was convicted. And yes, she was. That's Holy Spirit's job. But I want you to see also, I feel sorry for these scribes and Pharisees to a degree because I see that in Christianity all across the world today. Matter of fact, the whole philosophy, the whole paradigm of do this and become this, and do this and be that and do this and be that and we got a whole list of do's and don'ts. You got to do this and not do that. And I'm like, really? Because all of that, none of that stuff will get you to heaven? You're not going to get to heaven because of what you do. Right? You're going to get to heaven because of what he did. Are you with me, church? Right. Now, I believe there are some principles in the Christian life and and, and some ways that God wants us to live our life. But even in administering that, we've got to realize and we must receive that and live that by grace and not walk around because we're living that with a handful of rocks and throwing it on those Christians who are not. Because it's not about what you do. Matter of fact, every every occult and, and, and other religions out there today, they're all about do and be. You understand that? They're all about doing something to become something. You know, I feel, so, I feel so sorry for, I really do, I feel so sorry for Mormons. And you'll see these kids running around on bicycles and black pants and a white shirt and a tie, and, and they do a two-year missionary tour. I, I, wish we could get, I wish we could get Christians that have the truth of the gospel to be as committed to the gospel as these are to the occult. No, it's not politically correct today. But it's not the truth. Are we with me? Are you with me here? We're together here? And sometimes I see them riding around and I'm thinking, man, how sad. Because the whole life is built around do do and be, do and be, do and be, do and be. And we've got a guard that we don't allow that mentality to creep into the gospel of Jesus Christ because it has nothing to do with do and be. It has everything to do with what he did and what he gives and extends. And that's called grace.